Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 28. And I'm going to be reading from the NLT this morning, the New Living Translation. This is what the Bible says. Luke chapter 19, verse 20, it says, After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? The disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, and I dare you to try that at the car dealership next time you go. Just be like, you know what? The Lord needs this one. I don't think it'll work. You'll get arrested. But they said, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout as they sang. And as they walked along, they praised God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. John's gospel records that they used palm branches to praise him. Verse 39 says, But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for sayings like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. I'm really grateful this morning that we don't have a pharisaical church in the sense that when we see people praising God, whether they're lifting their hands or they're crying or they're dancing or they're running or they're running to the front and kneeling, however they are, we don't, we don't judge them in that. We actually realize that they're responding to the presence of God. Aren't you thankful for a church that there's freedom in worship? I'm free to clap. I'm free to lift my hands. I'm free to dance. I'm, I'm free to shout. I'm thankful for that because if we keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Verse 41, though, says, but as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to not miss peace. Help us to open up our eyes to see that peace is our portion. When you left, you said, I leave my peace with you. It's not a peace that the world gives. It's not the peace that the world offers. It's my peace. It's actually a peace of me. It's my body. It's my blood that gave you peace with God. So help us, God. Help us not to miss peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. In Matthew 21, the same story is told, but from Matthew's perspective. And Matthew says about this moment, he says that this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah. And he said, Say to daughter, your daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew said this was happening Jesus came in like this into the city to fulfill prophecy. This is, this is an important thing because it, it reminds me how dedicated God is to his word. Not just in its declaration, but in its fulfillment. 500 years earlier, Zechariah had prophesied that this moment would happen and here Jesus is fulfilling this moment and here we see God's word God's prophetic word coming to pass in Jesus Christ the Bible says that all of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen is there anybody thankful today that God keeps his promises 
I'm so thankful that God keeps his promises. And, 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 and notice this promise was made 500 years earlier. His promises don't always come on my timetable when I want them to come, in the moment that I want them to come, in the decade that I want them to come, sometimes in the century that we want them to come. But God's promises will be fulfilled. This is powerful because it doesn't just show us that God fulfills his promises, but God is, is not just able to fulfill his promises, but God is able to fulfill his promises because God has all power. God has all power. Men have power, but God has all power. Men have words, but God has the final word. Is anybody thankful today that God has all power? God has the final word. This means that God is sovereign over my life and over your life. And it's not that men's words or men's decisions are not consequential. It's just that their decisions do not matter in the end because their decisions aren't the final say about our life and about our situation. I'm thankful that God has all power and God has the final word because it doesn't matter what men have declared over my life and what the power of men is used to do in my life. God has all power and God has the final word. Can somebody in the room give a glory to God today that God, we believe that you are sovereign and in control because you have all power and you have the final word. In Luke chapter 19, the Bible says Jesus has asked his disciples to go and get this young donkey. And in John chapter 12, the same story from John's perspective is being written. And John says that after this had happened, Jesus asking them to go get this donkey. John says the disciples really never understood what Jesus was talking about. John 12 and 16 says his disciples did not understand this at first. But after Jesus was resurrected and after he was glorified, then they remembered that this had been written of him and had been done to him. In other words, after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension to the Father of heaven, in heaven, a lot of things that they didn't understand began to fall into place. A lot of things that Jesus had said started to make sense. A lot of things that Jesus had revealed to them and they didn't understand, all of a sudden their minds started to open up. And I'm telling you, for some people in this room today, that the resurrection of Jesus is all you need for a little bit of clarity in your life. The glory of God is all you need for just a little bit of clarity in your life. And I'm not talking about the presence of God. I'm talking about the glory of God because you can have the presence of God but not have the glory of God. See, God is omniscient. He is omnipresent. God is all-knowing. He is, all, he is all-powerful, and he is everywhere all the time. So God's presence is in this room. But there's a difference between God being in the room and God being felt in the room. That's the glory of God. And I'm telling you, for some of you, you don't just need a good church service and you don't just need a good message and you don't just need some songs. You need the glory of God. You need some time in the manifest felt presence of God where everything becomes clear. Sometimes we can go to church and we wonder, why isn't anything changing in my life? It's because we go to church with the wrong perspective. We go to church to check it off the, the to-do list. We, we go to church to make sure mom is going to, you know, keep giving us an allowance. We, may, <laughs> we, we make sure we go to church so we have something, you know, when, when we're asked, do you have a church? Yeah, I go to this church. But when we, really are in, when we really want clarity in our life, we don't go to church just to see a person. We don't go to church to hear a song. No, I, didn't, I didn't come to church to hear what Robbie had to say today. I didn't come to church to see what... Ricky was going to sing or, or, or any of the music that was, I came to church to experience the presence of God because it's only the glory, it's only the glory of God revealed in my life that can clarify the confusion that's in my life. I need him above everything. So the disciples started to realize, oh, that's what he was talking about. Oh, that's what Jesus was saying. Oh, that's what he meant. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that? You've gone through something and the whole while you were going through it, you didn't understand it. And then finally you got to a place in your life where God revealed to you, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, that's why. And there are those moments when the glory of the presence of God comes in and he clarifies for us why he said what he said, why he did what he did, why he's doing 
what he's doing. In Luke chapter 19, there's, there's, there are a few characters in this story. But I want to talk to you about this donkey for a moment. This donkey that the Bible says was tied up. Donkeys get kind of a bad rep- reputation. When you, when you want to insult somebody, you, you, you call them a donkey. But the truth of the matter is, is, uh, is donkeys are actually very smart creatures. Um, they're, they're very smart. They, they learn really well. And they're, they're very stubborn creatures. But their stubbornness is not stubbornness in the sense that they don't want to do what you want them to do. Their stubbornness comes from this ability to remember so well. And so they don't want to do what you want them to do this time because they remember you kicked them the last time. They remember you talked bad about them the last time. They remember you abused them the last time. They remember you didn't treat them right the last time. And so a donkey's stubbornness can be seen as this inability to learn, but that's not why they aren't learning. It's because they remember so well. And I love it that Jesus comes to this, this young, he sends his disciples to, to untie this young, unridden, underdeveloped, untested donkey. This is a big moment for Jesus. I mean, if you're the savior of the world and you come riding through the streets of Jerusalem and all of a sudden you have a donkey that's not cooperative, your big moment doesn't look like such a big moment. You know, you come in, you imagine you're reading this story and Jesus is riding in the donkey and the donkey gets really upset and kicks Jesus off and Jesus falls to the ground and breaks his ankle and it's like, but he said no bone would be broken, but he broke his ankle and the whole thing just gets... This is a big moment. This is an untested donkey. This is an undeveloped donkey. This is a donkey that apparently has to be tied up because if not, he's going to wander off. And I think sometimes in, in our lives, we, we can wonder as well. We can ask God as well. Maybe, maybe you've been wondering why, why does it feel like my life is tied up why does it feel like for some of you it feels like your life is on hold for some of you it feels like you're in a place where you you can't move for some of you you're in a place where you feel like you're trapped for some of you you feel like you're in a place that's too small for you and you you see all of these things that you want to do and all of these things that you want to accomplish and all of these places you want to go, but you are tied up. And some of us, we ask ourselves, why can't I do what everybody else is doing? Why can't I go where everybody else is going? But I, want, I wanted to tell you today that most of the time, those limitations that we feel, those restraints that we feel on our lives, those are those are from God because God knows the nature of the calling on our life. And, and I, I'm thankful for a God who restrains me. When I, I'm thankful for a God who ties me up when I need to be tied up. I'm thankful for a God who wouldn't let me get a job that I wanted because he knew that job would, be, would destroy my life. I'm, I, I, I don't know. Some, I, I don't think we praise God enough for the things that we, we don't really know that God kept us from. I think there should be, and a lot of people in this room, they only praise God for the stuff they see God do. But, but I've, under, I've started to understand that some of the deepest praise I can give God is thanking God and worshiping God and honoring God for the things that he kept me from that I don't even know about. For the times he kept me in my house when I could have been out there. For the times he kept me out of relationships that would have destroyed my life. For the, some of you need to thank God for the, the person you wanted to marry, but God wouldn't let you marry. Some of you need to give God some praise for the job you wanted to get, but God wouldn't let you have. 
Some of you need to thank God for the move you wanted to make, but God wouldn't let you make that move. Is there anybody in the room today grateful for a God who restrains you because he knows the nature of the calling that's on your life? That's why you can be confident that nothing that you have gone through disqualifies you from what God wants to do in your life. Because if it would have been a disqualifier and a thing that would kept you from his purpose, he would have kept you from it. He would have tied you away from it. I just want to give God some praise today for the restraint of heaven that keeps me connected close to home away from things that were never meant for my life because he knows the nature of my purpose. If he knows what a donkey was created for, how much more does he know what you and me were created for? Come on, somebody. We should give God a hand clap right now that, God, you have made me for a purpose. And if you got to keep me tied up to keep me away from those friends, to keep me away from that situation, to keep me away from those moments, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you restrained me until you called me. When I think about the things that could have went wrong, should have went wrong, I'm thankful today. I'm thankful when I think about the times I thought I was being overlooked and I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't that they were overlooking me or maybe they thought they were overlooking me or maybe I thought they were overlooking me, but it wasn't, they weren't overlooking me. God was protecting me. My kids, uh, through the years, have, have, have not always been happy with being raised in a Christian home. Anybody else's kids feel that way? Just not always happy. Some of the things they weren't allowed to do, places they weren't allowed to go. And they think sometimes that I'm holding them back because I, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm just, I'm controlling. It's, no, I just, I just know, I just know that you're called to something greater. I know that you're called to something better. I know that God doesn't want you to settle for this when he has something so much more important, so much more precious for your life. Amen. So he's tied up. <laughs> and, and Jesus says, Unloose him. Set him free. Bring him to me. And if anybody has a problem with it, tell them the Lord needs him. I heard somebody say this one time. They said, I'm thankful that God doesn't need me but he wants me. Now, I understand the sentiment of that statement, and I've even said things to that, on that level, to that degree, but, but I think that's, that's a lowering of how God feels about us. The Bible teaches that he doesn't actually do anything in the world unless he reveals it to his prophets first. That we weren't created just because God wanted relationship. We were created because God needed it. He's a God of relationship. He needs us. Now, he doesn't need us in the sense that all of his plans fail if we don't do what he wants us to do. Because you got to remember, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So he knows, he knows the things you won't do. So we don't throw his plans off. But he created his plans with us in mind. He needs us. And I love this idea that God needs me not to fulfill any 
any voids in his life, because if he had a void, he wouldn't be God. Not to fulfill some sort of uh, human need for connection. No, no, no. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. There are no deficiencies in God that he needs humanity. But God, because he's God, can do whatever God wants. And God wants to need us. God wants his plan to involve us. The psalmist would write, he would say, what is man that thou art mindful of him? For us, we, there should be such a high honor of God that when we consider that God needs us to do anything for him, that it would cause us to be full of so much humility, cause us to be full of so much uh, uh, just the fear of God. This, this idea that God would look at humans and say, I have need of you, should make us throw up our hands and say, God, thank you that, that my life actually has some purpose, that my life actually has some meaning. I don't have to look to man for approval. I don't have to look for man for meaning. If you breathe me into this life, that must mean you need me for something. And if people look at me and say I'm not useful, and if people look at me and say I'm not needed, and if people look at me and say I'm not wanted, I have a God in heaven who, even though he has no deficiency in himself, still looks at at me and says I need you that should put some confidence in your spirit today to say it doesn't matter what people say about me do to me or act towards me God needs me Robbie why are you so confident because God needs me Robbie why are you so excited this morning because God needs me I don't care if you go and you give me a three-star review on Google after church today because God needs me God needs me. Why are you up there today? Because God needs me. Why are you singing today? Because if I don't do it, the rocks will cry out. He created me to fulfill a purpose. He created me to fill a space that only I can fill. Oh, man. I'm so thankful that God needs me. And, and I love this because he says, he doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, um, Tell them who you are. He says, no, tell them who I am. Uh, It it reminds me of Moses when Moses goes and he says, God, um, if I tell Pharaoh to let my people go, um, who am I supposed to tell him sent me? And God says, tell him I am. uh, That's cool, but what's your actual name? I am. I am. Oh man, this this is why this is why you have to stop fighting in your own name. I, I don't I don't I don't fight the enemy's uh, uh, push back against the call of God in my name. I don't go to the devil and say, "Do you know who I am?" No, no, no. I, I, I fight with the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. At that name, demons tremble. At that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name is not just a tagline at the end of my prayer. It's the power that I come to every situation with. I'm not coming in my name or my experience or my background or my education. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. It's what David said to to Goliath. You come at me with a sling and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. You got to stop coming at your situation in your own name, in your own power. Well, you know, you know, you know, devil, do you know that I have a master's degree? It's not impressive. Do you know that I have 20 years of experience? Do you know who my parents are? Do you not know? Tell them the Lord needs it. When you get pushed back against what God has called you to do, tell them it's for the Lord. Tell them it's in the name of the Lord. 
When you get told, hey, what are you, what are you doing? How do you, how do you think you can come up in here and take my donkey? The Lord needs it. Who are you to think that you could do that for God? Well, it's good. It's a good question. I ask myself that a lot, but I'm not doing it in my name. I'm not doing it in my power. I'm not doing this in my strength. It's not by my might, nor by my power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I love this. When he says, I have need of him, it, it indicates that the creator of the world who has no deficiencies, needs us. It also teaches us not to do God's will in our own strength, but it, it, it tells us that we're not free for freedom's sake. God doesn't set me free just to set me free. Because freedom without a purpose can actually be frustrating. Freedom when you don't know what to do with it can actually leave you frustrated because it's like I have all of these options but I don't know which option I should take it's the freedom to choose a college that makes it so difficult nobody nobody's you're not talking to anybody who just like got an 18 on their ACT and they graduated with a two and a half GPA and they're like, man, I'm just having a hard time making a decision about college. It's like, no, no, bro. Your options are Northeast State or ECSU. Like, it's not that difficult. It's, it's when your options are unlimited that you get frustrated and it's difficult to make a decision. That's what freedom does to us when we just get set free. But we don't, get just, we don't get set free just to be free. We get set free for a purpose. And that's why so many Christians are frustrated. They're free but purposeless. Free, but I'm trying to find out what does God want me to do? What's my purpose in life? What was I created for? Right? It's like I have... I, I, I could do this for God. I could do that for God. I could go here for God. I could go there for God. But I just don't know which way to go. And sometimes when you don't know which way to go, freedom can be a frustration because freedom scares you to death to where sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to stay right here. But I've not been free for freedom's sake. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Here's a real key to finding out what I was specifically created to do. Number one, I don't use my freedom to sin. Paul said, everything for me is lawful. In other words, I could do it, but he goes, but everything that I could do is not beneficial. So I'm going to limit my options when it comes to my flesh, because if I limit my options in my flesh, it'll give me a clearer indicator of what I'm intended to do for God. That's, what, that's one of the reasons we fast and we pray. Fasting is not just, oh, I'm saying no to food. Fasting is saying no to food so that we can say yes to God, right? So, so when I say no to the flesh, some people are, are confused about God, what God wants them to do, and they're so frustrated with it that, th that they don't have a standard for their own personal lifestyle and living that they're confused all the time about what they want to do. It's like, I don't know what God wants me to do. And it's like, but you keep going to the club and you, you keep, you, you stay in that relationship and you, 
and, and, and you keep drinking yourself to, to sleep, you, you, have to, you, have to, you have to set yourself apart from sin and set yourself apart from the world. And when you do that, the Bible says, don't use your freedom to indulge in self-love. Use your freedom to serve others humbly in love. Robbie, I don't know what I should do with my life. I'm so confused. And for most of you, you will never find out what you're supposed to do until you do a bunch of stuff that you are not really called to do. And because we don't know what we are supposed to do, we do nothing. There's a need in kids ministry right now. Well, I don't feel called to kids ministry. Maybe you should start before you go, you know, apostle, prophet, leader of the nations. But before you go changing the world, how about you just change some diapers? Maybe, maybe, maybe in serving other people, I start to discover who I was meant to serve. And how I was meant to serve them. Kids all the time. I, I loved being a youth pastor because it was just it was just it was so funny sometimes because you you have kids come up and cry and they get in the altar and God like I want to change the world. I'll go to the nations for you. I'll sacrifice my life. I'll kill my firstborn son like. These kids are wild at youth camps, right? They're burning their tapes and their CDs and throwing their magazines away. And then they get home and their mom's like, make your bed. And they're like, who do you think you are? <laughs> it's just like youth pastor friend of mine he was like listen listen buddy before you can change the world maybe you should just learn how to change your sheets <laughs> maybe before <laughs> maybe before you cleanse the world of sin maybe you could learn how to take a shower without your mama asking <laughs> you know what I mean just so we 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 say no to sin and we say yes to serve. It doesn't say, oh, you're going to serve, serve kings, serve queens, serve the high, serve the mighty. It just says serve one another. I'm just available to serve. Where's the need at? Oh, I'm a human being with arms and legs and eyes and ears and a mouth. I, I, can, I can serve. How can you serve? Oh, you could do little things. Hand out hot dogs at the Easter egg hunt. You serve. It's so funny to me how, how most people who say, Robbie, I'm having such a hard time finding relationships in church. Most of the time, those people don't serve. Robbie, I'm having a hard time finding friends in church. It's because you're not serving with anyone. Oh, man, that's tough. And I didn't want to hear that on Palm Sunday, Robbie, but maybe. Let's get back to the palm branches and... Hosanna, Hosanna. <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, uh, so I'm not free for freedom's sake. I'm free to serve the master. And, I, and I, I've, I've asked this question many times to myself, just like, why not a horse, though? Why a, why a donkey? Why not a horse? He's a king. Why not a horse? Well, number one, a horse isn't prophesied. Just because I like it, just because I'd rather it be that way, doesn't mean I get to do it how I want to do it. The, the vehicle matters. The way in which I get to where God wants me to go matters. <laughs> it matters so much that Jesus didn't get to go, you know, I'm the word of God and what Zechariah actually meant was a horse. Somebody get me a horse. <laughs> I don't want to sit on this weird donkey. I never met this guy. Right? So Jesus to fulfill prophecy. God has a 
plan for your life. God has a word spoken over your life. God has a way in which he is going to get you to where you are supposed to be. And don't because you would prefer it be another route. And most of the time we, we miss God's mode of transportation because he's not moving fast enough for us. I don't like donkeys, Jesus. They're not fast like horses. And you're taking too long to get me to where I'm supposed to be. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade in. I'm going to upgrade from this donkey that was prophesied to the horse that I want. Because I want to get there faster. So Jesus didn't ride a donkey just because it was a status issue. The donkey, as far as a symbol, was a symbol of peace. The donkey was a symbol in, in that day where if a king rode in on a donkey, it meant the king was there to, to bring peace. It meant the king was there to sign a treaty. It meant the war was over. If he came in on a horse, it meant war. But I, but I love Zechariah chapter 9. It, it, it's, it's, it's such a prophetic picture of what Jesus does in, in Zechariah 9 where he says, Rejoice greatly in what John quotes and what Matthew quotes and what Luke quotes. He, here in Zechariah 9 and 9 it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But we leave out verse 10, but verse 10 is probably the most important verse because what does he say? He said, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be broken. In other words, Jesus coming in on a donkey is a declaration that the war that God has had with man since their sin in the garden is over. I came to not declare war against humanity. I came to declare peace. And Jesus was so broken over Jerusalem, missing him, because he said, you peace rode in. Peace was here, but you wanted war so much, you missed peace. Man, man, that makes me think of a lot of Christianity today. Just want a war. Just want to fight. Just want to get in shouting matches. Just want to tell people, this is how it is. This is what the Bible says. <laughs> you come riding in on your, your high horse. <sighs> War. War with who? War with, with the LGBTQ community. War. War with Democrats. War with Republicans. We just want war. We just want to wage war. And Jesus comes in lowly, humble, the king of kings, riding on a donkey to a community that was getting ready to crucify him. And he didn't say war. He said peace. Don't miss the move of God because you desire war. Don't miss it. And I get it. There's, there is a frustration level that every Christian has to feel in the culture we're in right now. There is a frustration with, man, I can't believe the world's acting like this. I can't believe that things are going south. I can't believe the way they're acting in the government. I can't believe some of these, some of these, some of these laws that I hear are being passed in, in, in other places. And, and I, I, can't, I can't even imagine. That's how our country that's how our culture feels about the unborn that's how our culture feels about family that's how our culture feels about children that's how our culture feels about our health that's how our culture feels and we can get so frustrated till we're just fuming with war the only answer is to come in riding on a horse and declare jesus is king That's not God's answer. God's answer is to come in humbly 
And even if peace gets rejected, you just keep offering it. Jesus didn't ride in on a donkey and say, I'm taking this nation back. Taking my, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There are a lot of kings that are unjust. A lot of presidents that are unjust. The situation Jesus came riding to was an unjust one. Where his people were actually slaves to another nation. They were occupied people. Controlled by the Romans. And Jesus didn't come in and say, I'm taking this nation back for God. Jesus rode in on the donkey and said, there's another way. Y'all want war. And you're not going to understand me. And I'm going to frustrate you. Because I don't, I don't, there's no power behind that. There's no spirit-filled power behind culture war. Jesus says, I'm anointed. Not to take it back. I'm anointed to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to open up blinded eyes. I'm anointed to help people who are bound get free. I'm anointed to preach this gospel of peace to the nations. And man, could we use a little bit of peace? Sometimes we're like, God, why? Why is it like this in America? Why is it like this? Why in a, in a nation that seemed at one time to be so friendly to you, so accepting of you, so desirous of you, seems to be turning its back on you? That's because you misunderstood the purpose of God. was not to have human nations that adore him, whether it be America or any other nation. God said, you're a peculiar people. You live in America, but you have a different, you're citizens of another nation first. Some of you are watching today, you might live in Brazil, or you might live in Russia. You might live, if there's internet in Russia right now, I don't know what's going on. If the, You might live in Japan. You might live in China. Wherever you are, you might be a citizen of that nation, but if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of another nation first, and this is just a place that you are passing through. God doesn't, isn't going to come and redeem America. God's going to come and redeem individuals. People. And if we're, if we're concerned with God being a, a country builder, then we'll miss peace. Because we'll identify peace with how, how low gas prices are. We'll, we'll, we'll put our peace in, in how, how much is milk this week. We'll put our peace in who's in the White House. We'll put our peace in our, our country's legislation. We'll put our peace in the laws of our nation. But my peace was never meant to be in the horse. Some may trust in horses. Some may trust in chariots, prophetically speaking about nations. Some may put their hope in America, but my hope is not in America. My hope is in God. My hope is in Jesus. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But I will trust in the name of the Lord. And no matter how sideways the nation goes, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. Palm Sunday is the recognition that peace has, has come. Peace didn't come in the form I thought peace was going to come in. Peace looked different. It was slower than I wanted it to be. It was uglier than I wanted it to be. It's not as pretty 
as a horse. But it's God's way of bringing peace. David, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, this isn't the first time the presence of God has come into town. You can stay on your feet if you will. I'm going to close right here. David had a desire to bring the ark back into Jerusalem. This is a prophetic, prophetic picture of Jesus riding in to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that David was in such a hurry. He wanted to do such a good thing, but he was going about it the wrong way. He was in, in, and in his haste, he, was, he had built a cart and he was, he was trying to, he was trying to, and he put it on, on wheels and, and he was pulling it with oxen. He was trying to get the presence of God back into the city as quickly as possible. And in his haste, the Bible says that the cart that the presence of God was on started to stumble and a man named Uzzah reached up and he grabbed it and he died in that moment. How many people have we hurt because of a rush? Because we're in a hurry, even when we're trying to do the right thing. David said, I got to figure out a different way to do this. So they left the ark where, they, where it was and they put it in the house of a man named Obed-Edom. It was there for three months and every part of his house, everything connected to Obed-Edom was being blessed. David said, I got to go get the presence of God, but this time I can't do it quickly. I can't do it my way even though my strategy seems right, even though my heart is right. And I'm not saying that anyone who isn't like, God, give us back America. I'm not saying your heart is wrong. I'm just saying maybe the way you're going about it might be wrong. David wanted the presence of God back, but he was going about it the wrong way. So he said, I can't do it this way. So he goes back, and this time he goes back with priests because the ark was built and there were these rings in it and these poles run through the rings and the ark was never meant to be carried by something that we could manufacture a cart. The ark was always meant to be carried by the Levites who were separate unto God to carry the presence of God. In other words, the ark was never meant to be carried. The ark was never meant to be carried by a government we constructed. The ark was meant to be carried on the shoulder of those that are set apart to God, the people of God. We don't bring the presence of God back to America by constructing government the way we want it to be. We bring the presence of God when every believer takes it upon himself to say, I'm a carrier of the presence of God. I'm going to carry God into Ingalls. I'm going to carry God into McDonald's. I'm going to carry God into the doctor's office. I'm going to carry God into the medical center. I'm going to carry God into the courtroom. I'm a carrier of the presence of God. We have been trying to construct a government that carries the presence of God and it could never carry it. Only we can carry it as the people of God, as the church of the living God, as those who have been set apart and sanctified by the power of God. You want to see America change? Let the Christians begin to take personal responsibility for serving one another with love. we'll see it. We'll see it change. But Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you today. Thank you that you don't do things my way. You do them yours. Thank you. That there is nothing that I can construct, nothing that I can put together that can carry what you want us delivered to the world. It must be carried by things that you have made. I can't make a donkey. You made the donkey. I can make a cart, but I can't make the donkey. I can build a building, but I can't make that building a church. God, help us to see that the things that you want to use to change the world are not things that are constructed by human hands. But they are things that have been made by the hand of God with every detail necessary to perform the will and the purpose and the plan of God.
there are some people in this room who maybe feel like a donkey. Not in the good sense, but in the negative sense. And I pray today that they would see the value of that animal you created. And in seeing the value of that animal that you created, realize that they were created with a higher purpose, with a higher design, with a higher plan. praise you for we are fearfully and wonderfully made today carriers of your presence thank you Jesus thank you Jesus there's anybody in this room today who needs to make a decision for Jesus there's anybody in this room today who feels far away from God and wants to feel near to God today few moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And when I do, we're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to believe that God is going to bring you near by faith in Jesus Christ. So if there's anybody in this room today, you feel separated from God, whether maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did at one time, but you feel far away from God. It's the purpose of this church to bring those who feel far from God near to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I promise you today, you can be brought near to God. If that's you, one, two, three, throw that hand up in the air today. I see you. I see you. Any other hands? I see you. Anyone else? I see you there. Anybody else? Throw it up real high so I can see it. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. I see you there. Father, let's pray this prayer today. Father, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you that I'm saved. Thank you that I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Whether you are in the room or watching us online, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me time today. I preached you for 50 minutes today. That's a, that's a long time to sit in those padded chairs, but even that padded chair runs thin after 50 minutes. And for those in the front, not on the padded chairs, you guys are heroes today. You get an extra cup of free coffee on your way out. Take a couple pins, whatever you want, anything. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. If you made a decision today, we'd love to connect to you, with you. If you need prayer for anything before you leave, our prayer team will be up front. We'd love to meet you. God bless you. Thanks for coming to Calvary today.